This is CliffCentral.com. Animal Central on CliffCentral.com. Hello and welcome to Animal Central. I'm your host, Ainsley Hay, here for another week. This is the only show in South Africa dedicated to animals and the people that love them. So I've got a very exciting guest in studio today. Um, her name is Candace Hobday and she is, she's a champion. I think that she's an absolute champion. Candace, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very impressed that you consider me exciting. <laughs> for all the <laughs> no, definitely. So Candace, I've seen you floating about on social media for a while now. You're very, very active with, um, a very important topic that I don't think people really realize what's going on. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Absolutely. Um, I can tend to be the Facebook queen on a good day. <laughs> I drive most of my friends completely bar me with all the save and rescue dogs and horses and cows. It. And um, generally, I don't have any mercy for that. Good. But uh, subsequently, I've been very involved with a big tech theft syndicate yes. that the equestrian industry has been inflicted upon by yes. criminals. And it's been... Much more vast than I had yeah. any idea until I started investigating it, and it is monumental. So, were you a victim of tax theft? So, yes, it did start, and I do warn you, I'm not a good person to give a microphone to because <laughs> it's very hard to get it away from me afterwards. Um, so, I live in Kailami, mm-hmm. and I have a pretty small yard that I have got clients that stable with me. I mm-hmm. have 18 horses there. Okay, and you have in for those of the people that don't know how horses work, you normally have a stable yard and you have groomsmen that look after yes. the horse and then you have a tack room. Yes. And a tack room is a facility that you store the horse equipment in. Yes. And that's normally based where the stables are. Okay. And I had heard via the grapevine because Bush Telegraph amongst mm. equestrians is fiber Eey. optic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they had sort of said on WhatsApp groups and Facebook, oh, tack theft, tack theft. And I'd noticed a couple of my neighbors within 10 kilometers had had incidences. Okay. So I upgraded my security actually recently in October. I just put up a new electric fence and upgraded the lighting and the lock system on my okay. stables, warned all my clients for those of them that don't want to take their saddles home yes. every day, that they must make sure that it's insured and, okay. um, you know, I can only do my best, mm. but my security system, I would say, is one of the better ones okay. in the area. So I finished putting the new security system in October, and then in December, I went in to a hospital for a small procedure, okay. not a facelift. <laughs> and when I came out of hospital on the Friday, I was slightly bedridden and being lame and lazy. Mm-hmm. So it was I was in my house, okay. and then I get a phone call on the Saturday morning. From one of my groomsmen, um, he was like, Candace, you need to come to the stables immediately at half past six in the morning. All the numbers, which is the saddle pads that go under the saddle, are lying on the floor. Oh, no. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not quite sure why that's an emergency, but best I go look. So I went roaring down on my crutches, get there and notice all these saddle pads and numbers lying on the floor. Mm. And all I can think is, oh, my messy clients, not for putting them back on the saddle. And at that, noticed... No saddles. So 11 of them were gone. (gasps) So I don't know if you've ever experienced something that shouldn't have happened, like horse box tires missing or something. You generally don't think, oh, I've been robbed. You think they must have fallen off or somebody's moved them. So after spending 30 seconds trying to figure out why every client (gasps) took their saddle home to have them clean that (laughs) night, I realized I had been robbed. (laughs) So I then went and had a look and the guys had gone under... One armed electric fence, 
with anti-lift brackets and anti-spreading brackets and whatever else. Cut another weld mesh fence under the new electric fence with all the anti-lift and everything. Under a point-to-point beam that's now linked Jeez. to security. Very smartly passed eight CCTV cameras blocking the one. No. Cut silent, silent uh, not silent, uh, hidden sirens out of eaves that you have no way to know that How they're there. How the hell did they know this? Broke into my feed room where they then took my pick, smashed open the door, <gasps> which was alarmed. But, of course, now the siren had been exactly. cut out. and. Affirmatively redistributed all of my equipment And that happened at 3 o'clock in the morning They were in at 3 and out by 2 minutes past 3 No way It was amazing There were 3 of them And it was You could just see on the camera everything that happened And yeah that's That was the end of that So the police I have to say Most people are generally very negative about our country And Mm -hmm. I love it to bits Mm -hmm. And I was expecting a bad experience The police Mm -hmm. were amazing Oh wow Isn't that the Okay And that's Midran police Midran police I phoned them They were there I phoned 112 Mm -hmm. Yeah 112 Mm -hmm. I think it is They were there within five minutes Oh good They took my statement They looked around They got a bit of an opinion from everybody Within another half an hour The warrant officer on duty was there Again asked a whole lot of opinion And within an hour The fingerprint people were there Oh Unfortunately, that's where it stopped Ah. afterwards. Ah. In fairness, and I think all of us are a little bit prone to watching uh, Discovery CSI and Law and (laughs) Order and when they zoom in on people's eyes and can see the reflection of the number plate, it doesn't quite work like that. (laughs) And it's even with the skill, with the money, Mm. it's not really that easy. And it's a lot of education. So I then sat that night moderately grumpy. wasn't upset, sad. I was, I was cross. Mm-hmm. I was upset that somebody came onto my property without an invitation. Mm-hmm. I sort of admired the, the fact that they did it so well. So well. <laughs> um, I'm grateful nobody got hurt. Yeah. My animals and my grooms were all fine because they live right nearby, but I was still cross. Yeah. And I, I'm definitely the type of personality that once I get my teeth sunk into something, I don't let go okay. terribly easy. And, um, I decided to, Find out who had done what about this. Mm -hmm. And I then phoned a couple of people I knew had been robbed. And they had, in their own right, got private investigators or chased the police. And, you know, it it was everybody was rowing their own boat. Mm. So you were having 50 little kayaks instead of one monstrous power turbine boat. Okay. And I then thought, well, you know, how do you communicate what's going on? And sadly, Facebook is one of the, mm. <laughs> what's well, so sadly, good thing, bad thing, I don't know. Depends on the day. It really is at a billion viewers. It's yeah. a great way to, to communicate with yes. people. So I started the Facebook page, Stolen Saddle South Africa, and within 48 hours, it had a thousand likes. Sure. Currently, it's at a thousand four hundred. Wow. And I, I then communicated and through that. I had a lot of people saying, well, gee, I was robbed and this yeah. is my experience and this is what I'm doing about it. Started capturing some of this information, phoning people, asking them questions like, what was their security like? Are there any anomalies? And then I realized, actually, it's not being investigated by the police. So I then started a spreadsheet. Okay. Because I have nothing better to do with my time. (laughs) But anyway, private investigator Sherlock Holmes in my spare time. And I asked a whole lot of questions starting with my place. So I was like, okay, what's my security like? How many horses? What kind of saddles did I have? Mm -hmm. Who's the farrier? Who's the vet? Mm -hmm. Who's the chiropractor? Who's the riding instructor? Mm -hmm. Who takes my manure Mm -hmm. away? Who brings my shavings? Who delivers my food? Sure. Um, 
Who's the security? Who's the garden service? How many employees do you have? Mm-hmm. Are they legal? Are they illegal? Yeah. Um, do you know who they are? Lots and lots of questions. After getting, which was a challenge, about 11 people to answer this very long spreadsheet, yes. I picked up some trends. Okay. So for sure, once I realized what the trends were, then I could ask the people just regarding those trends, mm. which is much easier to answer a one-pager yes. than a five-pager. <laughs> And then at the long end of the story, I eventually had 51 names of completed questionnaires. Okay. I did have, in actual fact, an additional 140 names of people that had been broken into on top of that, but couldn't remember, didn't have case Uh, numbers, never got a case number. So I only captured information that was valid. So the interesting facts that came from that is that, number one, 95% 95% of the groomsmen are non-South African. Okay. Um, mostly Mozambican, or well, oh. a small proportion, Mozambican, mostly Malawian and Zimbabweans. I do think people have got better about being strict about having mm. legal grooms employed. Okay, good. But you would find amazing, it, it really is quite remarkable how many people who have liveries, who have guys coming onto their property or living on their property where they barely know them. Mm. It's it's um, Phineas or uh, Innocent looks yeah. after my horse. I think his name yeah. is this. I don't know how old he is. I, I, I don't have any of that yeah. information. So that was one big highlight for me. Okay. The second highlight is that almost every single one of the people that rode, uh, that, that was actually robbed competes professionally. Well, when I say professionally, oh. they actually go on shows, oh. either to lessons or hunts okay. or seminars, shows, hmm. which made me lead to an idea that the grooms were, because my initial reaction is, oh, it's not my grooms. Yes. Never, ever, ever is yeah. it going to be my grooms because I look after them. Yeah. I know their family members. I, yeah. They all have pensions and endowments yeah. and get paid a fortune and have nice houses. But unfortunately, one of my grooms did make a disappearing act about two days after my robbery, which sadly does implicate him, especially after 12 years of employment and no discussion. It is very sad. I was Mm. mortified because the police said it's definitely one of your staff and I was adamant adamant Mm. it wasn't. Mm. So I then asked questions like, have you had a a staff member dismissed Mm. or um, disappear yeah. or anything like that And a, a, a large proportion Of the people affected had It was okay. about 50% sure. And about 80% suspected a groom Okay. So that was quite a high per, a Sort of percentage of the people That were affected oh. the, the thing that was really frightening Is of those 51 people The value And there was, there was one person actually never gave me a value mm-hmm. So it is high But the value was over 12 million rand of loss <gasps> So Certainly, it's not chump change. Yeah. You know, we read an article recently now in the newspaper. It's like, oh, good grief. It's a horror. Um, a million rands worth of mountain bikes stolen last year. Ah. And <laughs> 12 million rand worth of tax. Yeah, like, hello. Um, so hmm. it is quite a, a monumental thing that is going on here. Now, the stuff that's also interesting is it's national. Really? 60% of the cases I have captured were within the Kailami area. Yes. So Menandi is probably the yeah. most affected. Okay. Glenfinnes, Kailami, which is Sun Valley, yes. Bridal Pass, Blue Hills. Lanseria, Lazonia. Okay. I think it's Lazonia. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's sort of peripheral a mm-hmm. little bit. But Cape Town, Paul, mm-hmm. Valcom, Cookstadt, really? Clarence, 
and Natal. So it really is a so national issue. it's not issue. just a Joburg problem. It's not a Joburg issue, not at all. Sure. Unfortunately, the communication with the out-of-province is not as okay. um, forthcoming yes. as the Joburg people. And I think it's partly because Joburg people know me. Yeah, And true. secondly, they are more active mm-hmm. in, in the community, mm-hmm. whereas somebody in the mountains is maybe yes. not as involved. Yeah. So the statistics that came out of it were very interesting. So I was like, okay, now what do we do about this? We've got all of this information. So I managed to get a telephone number for a detective or warrant officer yes. actually from a Levenhurt Bosch okay. uh, police station mm-hmm. and another one for, from Midrand who are very aware of the situation. So where it goes a bit pear-shaped in the police is that you'll have four cases at a Levenhurt Bosch and seven cases at Midrand mm-hmm. and six at Dipsluit and five in Hillcrest mm-hmm. and three in Western Province. And unfortunately, the police don't talk to each other. No, they don't. So, if you take the 11 Hurt Bosch cases, you're probably looking at, I don't know, 200, 300,000 rands uh, worth. Okay. It's not significant. Yes. But when you put all of the values uh, together, it suddenly becomes significant. Sure. So, by contacting these two warrant officers and speaking to Colonel Moodley, who's in charge of the whole of Gauteng Police mm-hmm. Department, we've... I've given them all of my data okay. and all of the information. I've captured the case numbers. So a lot of their legwork is done. They're now going to pull all of those Good. case numbers. Unfortunately, most cases, if there's no further investigation, yeah. after three months get closed. Yeah. But they can always reopen them. Okay. So that's not total loss. But they now do a thing called clustering. Yes. So they basically get all of the information and they put it under one docket. So oh, it good. becomes one case. Okay. Now, any case over five million becomes a national issue because right. it becomes business crime, yes, actually. Yeah. So at this point, it's being clustered, and then it gets put to a national level where okay. they actually put forward a, to a task force. Oh, and if it's good. dramatic enough, you start talking possibly going to the Hawks yes. or something like that. Because this is, is a really form of organized crime. It highly isn't a form, organized. It is, it is yeah. highly organized crime. Yeah. So that's sort of where the process is there. There were a couple of investigators that have done a bit of legwork. I've also got an investigator okay. involved because um, I'm actually not an investigator. So I've got Even this though you do a damn good job. <laughs> but he needs to go and do the, the leopard crawling through the mm. grass and, you know, inve- you know, trying to, what do you call them, you know, threatening them. Not threatening them like, interrogation. Them interrogation is the word. So I was kind of thinking about that electric prod and things, but... Or a good old quite, massage yeah, with. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's in process, and that's kind of as far okay. as we are with it at the moment. And yeah, ah. hopefully we we've, we've you know he seems to have made some progress, but only time will tell. So what sure. we do think for the viewers out there that have saddles and are concerned, mm-hmm. we are very suspicious that it is being orchestrated uh, by information from the grooms. Okay. We think they're being threatened. Mm. We think they're being given money, and mm. at the end of the day. You can't criticize it. You know, we don't pay our grooms top-notch no, money, exactly. and that is unfortunately… And life's tough nowadays. It's difficult it to make really a living is. for and all of us. You know, even with my grooms, mm. having two kids, putting them through mm. a proper school, just mm. the transport to the schools, 400 rand a mm. child. And like I say, sure, they're not necessarily within a tax bracket, and they mm. don't have to pay accommodation, and they don't have to pay for food. Mm. But disposable income gets smaller and yep. smaller when yep. you start talking about uh, provident funds. And, yeah, exactly. you know, we know how expensive yeah. living is in this day and age. So it's not a criticism of the grooms. It's… It's it's a lesson to yeah. us as equestrians. So, firstly, know your groom. 
Mm. Know who he is. Make sure you have a good photograph of him, mm. have his ID, and know who he is. Mm. Where does he live when he doesn't live with you? Mm. What's his wife's name? Mm. What's his children's names? What's their ID numbers? Mm. What's his next of kin? I mean, next thing something happens to him, who are you going to contact? Exactly. Um, if you are feeling a little twitchy about it, you can get the guy fingerprinted mm-hmm. because if he has a criminal record, even if he is a foreigner, it will be pulled up immediately. Yeah. One thing that has been discussed uh, for the industry, and I think it really does need to be implement, implemented at some point, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to have to run with it. Hopefully it's not going to be me again, but <laughs> we need to have it like a groom's foundation mm. formed. Um, I do think one of the societies needs to do it, whether Definitely. it be our South African Equestrian Federation, yeah. where the grooms become validated. Exactly. So what you ideally want to do is say, okay, groom A, B, C, these are his details. Yeah. He has this qualification yes. and this is his resume. Yeah. And he is affiliated with us. That's so And important. if I then report to them that this groom A, B, C was involved in a robbery, they can then blacklist him. Yes. And at least... If I now want to employ somebody, I, they can even have grooms looking for work yes. on that site. I think site. it's a brilliant idea. I, I think it's a very important part of our mm-hmm. industry to, to validate yeah. them at the end and of the day. And for them as well, to, f- to provide some form of standardized training, support, you know, because it is pretty unregulated nowadays. Highly unregulated. And mm. we all jumping up and down about how we want money and poor mm. us, we want to go to the Olympics. And mm. the point is that unless you can validate the grooms, and let's not beat around the bush, we're talking about demographics. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think I think I know probably three riders of color out of however many yeah. thousands. But people forget for every one rider you've got one groom, exactly. and believe you me, your groom knows you knows yeah. your horse better than you yeah. do. No, he spends seven hours definitely. with him a day. You ride yeah. him for thirty minutes, exactly. So he is as much Integral. part of the team yeah. as the horse and the rider. Exactly. So why not identify that? Yeah. So know the grooms is the first thing. The second thing that we came to is. Identify your equipment. Mm-hmm. So one of the problems that came in discussion with this whole theft is that a black yeah. type saddle, mm-hmm. I'm not going to name any names, but a 17-inch black saddle mm-hmm. is a 17-inch black yep. saddle. So now we recover them. How do you prove, prove that it's yours. that's your saddle? Yeah. So, yes, they have serial numbers, some of them, but I can also scratch that off. Exactly. So we found a system where you can actually microchip the saddles. Oh, that's You can clever. also data dot them, and you then... It's a once-off payment, and then you register it internationally. Oh. And then that saddle actually remains your property until you change it on the database. So you buy my saddle. You have to go in and ch- make a change of ownership. Oh, wow. That's and very clever. And that way, at least, if the saddles are ever recovered, it is legally yeah. a way of proving ownership. Mm. So that was the first thing. The second thing is make sure your saddles are insured mm-hmm. because replacement is a horror. Uh, and a saddle's a very personal thing. It's, 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 it is. It's just like underwear. Yeah. Lacy, pretty, Victoria's <laughs> Secret. And comfy. Absolutely. It's molded, it's, you know, molded to yourself, to the horse. It's, you know, it's a, it's, it's quite traumatic losing a saddle. It's very traumatic. Now, the scariest part of this is the exchange rate. Oh, so gosh. most of the saddles <gasps> of high value are imported. True. And you're looking at anything between, a, a, like from when I bought my saddle, mm. it's had a 45% increase. Oh my gosh. So <gasps> it's really a disaster. Jeez. It really is a disaster. Now I've had to wait three months to get the new saddle oh because no. it, it is custom made for the horse. Yeah. So oh. it, it, it is not, not a problem to lose the saddle. <sighs> yeah. So now you can identify the saddle. The saddle's insured. That's fantastic. And the next most important thing is don't assume your security is good enough. Okay. So 
what we certainly recommended is, although I did have cameras and they did bypass them, I, I didn't have them monitored. You can have, look at having okay. monitored cameras. But we, let's starting with the saddle. There's a couple of options. You can get saddle locks. Hmm. So you get saddle locks from um, like cages that you can close oh. over them to cords that you can tie them okay. onto the wall. Then secure your tack room. Mm. Make sure that it is got burglar bars over the windows if it has windows mm. and a really properly locked door. Okay. And if it's got a roof, a basic roof, a couple of the burglaries have gone in through the roof. Oh, so wow. make sure the roof is completely secure. Oh. But the first prize is to have an alarm attached to a security company. Oh, because so you get, for me, okay. that was probably my biggest failing in my security is when they opened the door, the siren was cut. Oh, no one knew the alarm true. was going off. So if the security company had been alerted, they would have come to investigate. They still might have got away with the saddles, but it yeah. would have been an early warning system. Oh. And then your peripheral security I would say one of the most important things is lighting. Uh, okay. Lighting, you get these, in fact, solar lights that don't even use ESCOM, that turn on with motion. They're absolutely fantastic to use. So oh. we've spoken about prevention. We've spoken about what we're going to do about this. We've spoken about who's at risk. And at the end of the day, it's everyone. Yeah. They are only taking the higher value saddles like the... Um, synthetics yes. generally okay. they're not interested pony saddles so they're, so they're, they're quite they're quite experienced they they're know exactly fussy. what they're looking for Absolutely. so let me just uh, listeners um, please do get in touch with us um, our number is 0861 we're on twitter at cliffcentral.com Facebook, Cliff Central. Our WeChat ID is Cliff Central. And to send a message to us on WeChat, you, we, WeChat, you just tap connect and then message to show. So this is a serious topic. And if you are a horse rider or anyone, please do give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. But now we're going to go to a music break and we'll be back afterwards. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Animal Central on cliffcentral.com. Right, we're back after a lovely little song from Snake Hips called All My Friends. So I'm having a fascinating chat with the lovely Candace Hobday regarding the huge problem that we're having in this country, not even Gauteng, regarding tax theft. So during the break, you mentioned an, an interesting snippet that, you know, I think a lot of the times with crimes, we as South Africans think, oh, God, it's South Africa again, we bloody doomed. But... You said that it's not just South Africa. Definitely not. I, I promise you now the grass is not greener on the other side. We have a wonderful country. <laughs> huh? All of the equestrians we out do. there can just know if you left, you would have yeah. one horse instead of four. Exactly. And you'd muck it out all. yourself. And you'll be mucking Everything. it out yeah. yourself. Exactly. So since the month that I was robbed, there have been two tack rooms in the UK that were cleaned out, really? a tack room in Belgium and a tack shop in Belgium and one in the <gasps> New Zealand. Exactly the same situation where they just remove the saddles, sometimes the bridles. So what we, again, I mean, it's a lot of speculation. And if I had a crystal ball, I'd be very wealthy and very popular. <laughs> but we do suspect that the equipment is being exported. Okay. Now, the reason we say that is, again, this is a bit of a thumb suck, but I have a fair idea as to the volumes of riders that we have in the country. Mm -hmm. I know with our federation, there are probably around 7,000 registered riders. Okay. Now, I talk about those registered riders because the kind of saddles that are being stolen yes. are used by those riders. Yeah. So, yes, Top the level. endurance population is bigger, but they mm. don't use dressage saddles. Okay. And if they did come roaring around the corner in a dressage <laughs> saddle, I think we'd all look at them a bit funny. Polo is a different <laughs> a saddle. Arab in a dressage saddle. Yeah, heels down, this picture. <laughs> shoulders back. Um, polo racing, mm. polo cross, it's tent pegging. Yes. It's a different, okay. different type of equipment. So, let's say for every... 
7,000 one rider, there's six unregistered riders. Yes. You can do the math. You're talking about a couple of, you know, 20, 30,000 yeah, riders. Yeah. Germany at one point had a million registered riders. What? So if you talk about unregistered really? riders, you, you're talking to a three, <gasps> three million people. That's Germany. Sure. So Europe, the actual equestrian industry okay, is huge. Massive. Wow. So let's say a thousand saddles have been stolen yeah. in the last two years. Now you want to circulate a thousand second-hand saddles in a population this small. Mm-mm. And again, your average auntie that's mm. riding around in the felt's not going to pay 20, 30 yeah. grand for a saddle. They're going to pay five or six thousand exactly. rand. So now that's not such yeah. an, a financially viable yeah. exercise. So no, they're not going to Lesotho because I promise you the Basutus <laughs> are not roaring around no. in um, 17 and a half <laughs> inch dressage saddles. And uh, also the rest of Africa, there's 70 riders registered in yeah. Botswana. Congo's tiny. Exactly. Then they went, oh, Mauritius Mauritius, well, yes, there are horses in Mauritius, but probably somewhere between three and 400 horses, of which it's 250. Big market. Mm. No, they race horses. So exactly. unless you have a horse with an extremely long back that you can put several saddles on, not happening. <laughs> so it only makes sense that the stuff mm. is getting sent out of the country. And it, as I've said, it is definitely an international syndicate. Oh, yeah. uh, where is it going? That I can't tell you. I do think it's probably going back to Europe, maybe even the Eastern Bloc. It's okay. possible. But oh. hopefully we'll find that out eventually. Yeah. Jeez. So have there been any arrests? There was one groomsman that was arrested, but unfortunately the case was not presented properly and it wasn't prosecutable. So oh, yeah. he was actually released, but he is still under investigation as okay. it is considered an ongoing investigation. What I am very confident is that it will be one of us. It will be a rider. It'll be... Somebody working in the industry It's mm. not somebody out there That doesn't know Which end to put the carrot at No exactly I'm telling you They know horses They know saddles They know us sure. And um, it'll be a matter of time Before it gets exposed It has quietened down a lot Since the hysteria started yes. But okay. um, it's it's definitely Since I was robbed On the 11th of December To now There have been 12 wow. But in the last week There has been nothing So it really has calmed down mm. A tremendous amount And how long uh, when, did it, when did it start? Have you got any idea? Well The, the earliest case I have Is from 2005 But the, esca- sure. the major escalation Has been the last two years wow. So you know It's been a random one Here and there Which I think Is a bit inconsequential Maybe they were trying Out their f- okay. uh, Robbering uh, What burglaring Skills. feet yeah. um, But at the moment 2014 2015 sure. starting majority from the midi- middle of 2014 okay. and then it sort of escalates towards the end of the year as christmas shopping yeah. always does and then <laughs> again now the end of this year has Picking been up. bad since about september 2015 mm. and there were about 30 <gasps> yeah so it's it's really Jeez. has escalated and they re- they literally hand picking the so the, is it mainly saddles um any other tack so of the saddles it's a little inconsistent, but the majority of it is high-value saddles. Okay. So some of the yards, they've gone in and cleaned everything out. Mm. But generally, they'll come in and pick the best saddles. So none, none of the synthetic saddles, mm. generally. Obviously, mm. there's been a few exceptions. No pony saddles, mm. no cheap and ch- uh, cheerfuls, mm. no endurance saddles or polo oh. saddles. And some of the high-value bridles. Okay. So... Of the riding equipment, we're not talking about boots and things yeah, like that. Okay. I have heard some of the yards, they've stolen some of the expensive saddles. Okay. I mean, uh, riding hats, for okay. example. For example, at my place as well, they stole one of the, uh, some of my weed eaters. So, oh. but that was sort of hanging on the wall. Okay. So I think it was just An opportunistic sort exactly. of thing. But generally high value saddles and high value vi- bridles if they have the time. Wow. They are stripping the saddles of the numbers and the saddle oh. covers and the girths, oh. but the stirrup irons and the saddles are going. 
Wow. Mm. So it's it's been very. That's why I say in a way it's quite admirable because oh, they know what they're doing. Being done properly. Very well organized. Certainly, nobody's getting hurt in the process. Not that that's excusable, but yes. it's not violent crime. So there hasn't been any violence involved. Nothing. With it. Absolutely nothing. No grooms have been held up or okay. threatened. On the premises, okay. nobody's walked in on them. There has been some video footage. We okay. have got footage from one of the yards, but mm. I don't know what's come of that. And, um, yeah, as I say, in terms of suspects and that, I think hopefully we'll do another show where I can unravel the whole story like days of our lives. Definitely. Oh, I love that. We'll do a whole expose of exactly what's been happening. There we so go. So if, if people have either experienced it or if they do experience this crime, um, who can they report it to? I think at this point, not that I want a hundred million emails, but it has certainly been a lot easier to centralize it with me. Um, only because certainly the warrant officers haven't got the time to sit yes. and look at their emails. So I've generally advertised that people can email me okay. on Candice at hee.co.za mm-hmm. and then I redistribute that information wherever it needs to go, right. whether it be to the police or a whether it be that they're asking for security information, then I've forwarded on the information that I found or whether they want their saddles okay. microchipped. There actually is an opportunity to put trackers into saddles now oh. as well. It's, I don't think it's completely firmed, okay. but it has been investigated. So it's certainly up the game tremendously since hmm. two years ago and makes everybody's lives a little bit harder if hmm. they're thinking about going Christmas shopping for somebody else's equipment. <laughs> Most definitely. So you, you, you actually are pretty damn amazing. I was I was doing a bit of Google stalking on you, and you are a very, you are a, an athlete. You're a South African dressage athlete. Well, thank you very much. I thought I got my. Um, oh, oh cheers. I'm doing a curtsy. <laughs> I thought you were making comment over my beautiful Facebook page that got uh, hacked by a porn site. Oh, hysterical. really? Yes, I got a, a message from somebody to say, "What's these pictures?" And of course, when I opened it, yet again, not expecting it, and I was looking at these. Appendages I was kind of trying to work out What kind of saddle rack that was And then eventually I realized what it was And I was like oh my god And had to block whoever it was So apparently oh you get, get these things called blips Or something where oh they, they surf And then they and they put blips on your pages put, put porn on it So you've got to be very oh careful no. who you approve So okay. now I approve all this, all the Oh, wow. Information that gets okay. posted because I'm a bit scared that I'm going to have to X-ray. <laughs> no, well, luckily I didn't find any of that when I was doing a bit of a store. Well, I was very thrifty at removing it. Thank goodness. Only two people were traumatized. I think their eyeballs are That's still well burning. Done. That's fine. Well <laughs> so, so long as I'm not famous for that, then I'm No, happy. no, no. This is, so you, you're, you, you're involved in dressage. It's your sport. I am. That's actually my sort of, uh, Meager beginnings okay. I started off Riding my whole life My sister Natalie Hobday Has ridden yes. international She was one of the okay. first Dressage riders To ride at the World Equestrian Games Oh wow She was actually Campaigning overseas For the last 20 years And has recently Come back She oh, qualified wow. for the Olympics She qualified sure. for Three World Equestrian Games And competed at two oh, wow. Successfully And has been a Fantastic campaigner For the South African Cause overseas It really isn't easy Her riding No there. I can't imagine It is very much wallet based. People okay. think if talent is all you need, it's not, it's not like, um, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much money I have. I'm never going to keep up with Custis Seminia. <laughs> but if you have enough dosh to buy good enough horses and have enough really? lessons and you have a little bit of feel, you can make a success. Really? Sure. So, um, she came back quite recently, but I've always been 
quite inspired to ride and mm. uh, come from a family of vets as well. Okay. Although I didn't think about, I did moderately think about okay. doing veterinary, but I didn't have visions of doing rectals at midnight. Yes, so no, I good choice. Good life choice. a real job yeah. and um, was a riding instructor for most of my adult career and through that became, started buying horses overseas okay. and then started shipping. And so the business grew from that. Mm. And I actually only have two pupils left. Okay. I still do compete. I recently retired my Grand Prix Mayor Felina. Ah, because you got to world number one with her, didn't you? Well, South Africa, small okay. world, but close. Yeah, oh. I did get to South Africa number one with oh. her. She's been a, an amazing partner to have oh, won most gorgeous. of the big competitions and... Yeah, I was very blessed to have had her experience, and now she's um, making babies. So oh, she's gorgeous. moved on to motherhood, and I've got a very exciting young Andalusian, oh, wow. or what you'd call pre, which is yes. pure Spanish horse. Mm. I've got a good youngster that hopefully you'll be seeing in the show Definitely. sometime soon. Definitely. So it's great. So it's toned down a little bit on okay. the sporting side. I concentrated on making a, a career and not spending money That's because, as you money. well know, yes. horses eat um, money. Things they and eat money. Other things come out the other side. Yes. So, They're very yeah. good at eating so money. So I need to concentrate a little bit on my career now. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. So you, you've got quite a few businesses that you, that you, obviously the stable yard side of thing with the training, but then also there's the Hob Day Equestrian Enterprises International Horse Transport. Yes. Tell me a bit about that. So that's quite an interesting story in that, well, I suppose to me it is, but maybe everybody else's eyes will start watering in no time. <laughs> I've, uh, as I was a riding trainer, I ended up having an opportunity to go overseas and procure horses for people. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you have to ship them back to South Africa. And I used to use the agents that were based here, but I am a bit of an OCD when it comes to efficiency and admin yes. and answering my emails. Good and job. Got a tad grumpy and decided, well, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And it actually wasn't that hard. And... In, you know, so it grow, okay. grew. I would ship a few horses that I'd imported, and then this person heard. And now, when you good. say ship, you mean fly? Yes, I do mean okay. fly. I'll give you a very quick brief on that because they're going to shout at me for commandeering the microphone again. So <laughs> no. either I have to speak a lot no, faster. I'm loving this. This is the easiest show I've done in a while. It's brilliant. <laughs> so you ship the horses here, and so the business eventually grew that it overtook my teaching. I couldn't do both. Teaching's very time yes. consuming. You have to be available with the shipping, yes. and slowly the one phase the other okay. art. Now I am very grateful and blessed to say I have probably one of, if not the biggest shipping company. Wow. I do all the imports and exports out sure. of South Africa and into mm. and out of. This year we had, or last year, sorry, we had the biggest single shipment out of South Africa. What was that? 58 horses. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, we brought sure. in now to Cape Town 26 horses and wow. we had uh, and where did they come from? 33 horses into Joburg now in January, which is also probably close to a record. Oh. All over the world. Okay. So uh, they come in from Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, oh. Germany, America, Belgium, you name it. C- getting out is a little bit more complicated. Mm. For those of you that don't know, African horse mm. sickness is a bit of a skanky disease that the horses get. But like malaria and mm. mosquitoes. And uh, we have a, if you watch rugby, you'll see those little critters flying Nuffies. around the grass. Exactly. Mm. They transport this disease mm-hmm. and everybody has it throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So they don't want the virus in their yes. insects. So we're very strictly regulated. At the moment, we can't export out of South mm-hmm. Africa. And how long has that been for? Two years. Our sure. ban is actually up in May, but okay. now we have to go through the process of being approved by yeah. the EU and you know, politics all time. over the world. Believe you me, mm-hmm. it's the same. Mm-hmm. So they go via Mauritius at the moment. So okay. you're looking at about… 110 days to get a horse to Europe. Sure. And then from there further to get them to Australia, health regulations. So now how do you actually fly a horse? Well, sadly, you can't fold them up and put them into a DHL box. So 
they have to do a quarantine, which is where you isolate the horses from other horses to mm-hmm. make sure that they don't bring disease. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised, believe it or not, South Africa is actually a very disease-free country. Yes. We have African horse sickness, which is pretty skanky, but Mm -hmm. it's one of our few diseases that we have, whereas the rest of the world has a lot of different diseases. So they stand for 30 days where they undergo a whole lot of blood tests Mm -hmm. and swabs, and we make sure that they're healthy. Then you put them into a box called a jet stall. Now, a jet stall looks like a horse box, but it fits three horses, normal-sized horses in no wheels, but it's a container. And you put that on the plane, and then the horses fly here. Sure. Then you offload them, and they do another 30 days. So people are like, ah, oh, do you have to tranquilize them? Mm. How many have you shot? You know, I think they see the gosh. movies, and oh, you know, the horse is going wild. It actually doesn't work like yeah. that. Uh, the horses travel extraordinarily well. Wow. So if you imagine driving in a truck, mm-hmm. you even take flying. I think yeah. taking off and landing is probably a little yeah. scary, but once you're up there, it's a bit like being on a lazy boy having a massage. You're going in a straight line. Yeah. Get a waitress comes and helps you. It's marvelous. We even have sky jockeys that go and look oh, after okay. the horses during the flight. You sure. know, would you like some hay? <laughs> How would you like <laughs> some carrot. spring water? Nice and carrot. carrot. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. the horses travel well because there's no stopping, starting, mm. turning, braking. It's a straight line flight, maybe a little turbulence. Sometimes okay. they can be a bit unsure, but they do very well. Oh, really, yeah. they do well. The big sort of difficulty for them often is the hemisphering. If you're shipping them from north to south, yes. not so much from east to west. But north to south, you can imagine leaving sometimes in the middle of yes. winter, minus 20 and arriving here in 38. Okay. That can sometimes be a bit of a challenge. But we do everything in our power to try to and help the horses acclimatize okay. as much as possible. So, yeah, that's my core business. I ship quite a few horses. Hmm. I would say maybe 300 350 wow. horses a year in and out the country. Sure. Our economy for horses is huge. Mm. People don't actually realize. We did a survey of what our export uh, value is, and they reckon it's close to a billion rand. Oh, wow. So, again, I'm sure you sit there and you think, oh, horses, it's a hobby. Yeah. It's some auntie, housewife. No, horses are a big part a of business, our economy. Yeah. Huh? I mean, yeah. it's not It's not just like sometimes playing for golf. Fun. Yeah, it's yeah. not just for fun. Anyway, our export industry is mostly revolves around flat racing, which mm-hmm. is your race horses, mm-hmm. if you think Durban July, and endurance. Endurance is oh. massive. Uh, so most of those horses are ending up in Dubai. There's a couple of sport horses going, saddle breeds, hackneys, uh, polo ponies. Okay. But it's expensive to get mm. a horse out the country and takes a lot of time. So unless it's a very valuable mm. horse, it's actually almost not, not profitable. Okay. The tragedy was our polo industry was thriving for ah. exports. We make wonderful horses here. They're mm. hard. They're successful. They're well-trained. Mm. They, they're good bloodlines. They've got great vet checks. Okay. So the Europeans love our horses, but the export procedure is what's making oh it a bit of a challenge. So in 2013, when we had our last outbreak, there was a whole lot of polo ponies. In fact, 2011, we had an outbreak in Cape Town, which shut us down, and we had 60 polo ponies booked for export. That whole deal got cancelled. And unfortunately now will not happen again. They're actually now breeding the horses there to make it easier for us to... You know, sure, get the horses there immediately, tragedy, you know, truck yeah. it rather a couple of hundred Ks yeah. and try and fly it a couple of thousand. Yeah. So unfortunately for us, it, it's a challenge a getting mm. the horses out, but it's still thriving. We send a lot of endurance horses mm. and we've still had some of the most successful race horses leaving the country. Mm. And we're very, very competitive in Dubai. Wow. So yeah, it's interesting. 
That's fascinating. Hmm. Sure. And then you're also involved with, with insurance side. Yes, just to keep me out of mischief, which I'm not con- <laughs> absolutely convinced it's working. So it's sort of a natural vertical integration. Mm-hmm. I'm traveling your horse. It's a bit of a, we call it a high-risk situation, mm. and people are going to want to insure them. So it was a sensible move to try mm. and find a partnership in mm. in this line. So my partner, Jen McNeil, mm-hmm. and myself started a company called Arco360. Mm-hmm. So we're a broker. We're not okay. an insurance company. We're a broker. We're underwritten by Genric, and mm-hmm. they are the actual insurance company. So we just look after the clients. We represent the clients, mm-hmm. whereas the insurance company is the one that provides the service, okay. but we don't have their interests at heart okay. as per se. <laughs> and developed, came up, had a lot of fun actually. It's always fun making stuff. Mm. Uh, it's a bit like building sand castles on the beach. <laughs> we then came up with a lot of fun, new, innovative products. Uh, it's been very healthy for the industry because not too long ago, there were probably maybe only one yes. e- equestrian yeah. insurance company that did sport horses. Yeah. And although they did a great job, competition is very good. Yes. For the, it's yes. great for the industry. It gets prices competitive. Exactly. It makes us be creative. Yeah. We have to come up with new products, have to be that much better with the That's service. Brilliant. And it's been an amazing journey. We've been going for two years. Our growth's been phenomenal. And we've come up with some brilliant, brilliant products for the industry, which is amazing. So some quick, interesting information before you kick me under the table and tell me to shut up. In the UK, 75% of people insure their horses. Wow. In South Africa, probably about 8%. (gasps) Sure. So there is a 10 to 15% chance that any horse owner will have an experience of a colic. Now, that's pretty high, actually. Yeah. So if you take a product, for example, hospital cover, it's 150 rand a month. It gives you 40,000 rand cover. Your average colic surgery is between 30 and 70,000. Now you can get product, obviously higher cover to take less risk, but it's a no-brainer to have some kind of protection. I mean, it it fascinates me. Because horses, I mean, it's a lot of money. You spend a lot of money. They cost a lot of money. They, they, horses love getting sick. They love injuring themselves. Absolutely. They do the weirdest damn things. And mm. it's very expensive to fix them. So I think it's one of my biggest goals has been education. Mm. Like you and I were sitting mm-hmm. chatting earlier, which is something we don't do very well. We don't talk a lot. <laughs> we're very quiet. <laughs> church and, mouses. Yeah, church mouses. <laughs> and education is the beginning mm. and end of everything yeah. in life, actually. Politics, yeah. economy. Yeah. Owning horses. Oh, you're spot on. So what we've tried, really tried to do is not um, try and solicit business by preaching to the people that already know. I'll try and get the people that are insured to move to us because we do great jobs. Yes. But try and get the people that aren't insuring yeah. to insure, even if it's for a tiny amount. Because most people don't realize how heartbreaking it is <gasps> to have to put your horse Gosh, down because you can't, can't afford, afford to, it. To I fix know. It. Or have to not get married for three years, which might not be a bad thing. <laughs> use your wedding budget to pay yeah. for the colic surgery. So yeah. you have to you have to kind of look at it with a bit more perspective. And we've also tried to educate the vets because Great. from their point of yes. view, if the client's insured, they can look after the exactly. horses properly. And if the client isn't insured, they're either not going to get paid yeah. or they're not going to be able to look after the horse. So it's in their interest to encourage exactly. their clients to insure. Huh. Now, I think that's brilliant. And it's so, as you say, I mean, I, I, I used to be an, an equestrian, not a very good one in my past life. I've recently started again, much to my delight. But in the, in the olden days, as you say, there, I think there was one horse insurance and it always was like a standard package. Like yeah. there was no, like if you were just a pleasure rider and you would wanted a lower, you know, premium or whatever. So it's good to hear that you are customizing things. 100%. So people always insure, assume insurance is 
death cover. So the yes. horse dies, yes. then you get paid out an amount. Yeah. And that isn't always particularly cheap, but you can insure a horse for 90 rand a month and then yeah. you get 20 grand paid out. That's brilliant. But the, the important part yeah. and the part that's really done extremely well and that is important is your hospital yeah. covers and your medical plans. That's very good. So, and it's so inexpensive. 550 oh, rand a month, 150 rand, 210 rand. I mean, it's mm. chump change. And you have that peace of mind. Because especially with the, with the fluctuating economy and all of that, you mm. you need help, especially when it's looking it's something like looking after your horse. Well, we have run out of time for the show. Candice, you are definitely coming on again. I was just getting ruined up. I know. <laughs> I was like, my vocal cords are just starting to work. <laughs> No, that was such an interesting show. So, listeners, please do um, go onto your Facebook page, which is Saddle Stolen Saddle South Stolen Africa. Saddle, South Africa. Make sure you're not a porn site, otherwise you won't get approved. <laughs> yes, no dodgy <laughs> saddle holders and all those sort of things. So, thank you for listening. Well, I'll be back next week. Animal Central on CliffCentral.com. This is CliffCentral.com.